For me, the greatest picture of life in the kingdom of God is expressed every time a few of us share in the Lord's Supper together. Sharing a simple communion, a common union together, however we do it, and that's changed a lot recently, magnifies what we hope to experience as Jesus did with others at every meal we have. Jesus' last meal with his disciples before going to the cross was a new kingdom rhythm for all of us. So next time you're all together face-to-face or online or at home as a family, take out some bread and a cup of something delicious, right? And examine your hearts. And then look into the eyes of those with you. Invite everyone to say yes again anew to our king with whatever faith they have today. And as the bread is shared and sips are taken from a cup, be reminded of something eternally profound. We are all in need. We are all hungry. And only God can provide what is necessary to fill our stomachs and satisfy our greatest hunger in life, himself. There is a new kingdom, and its king has come. Welcome to the Life School Podcast, where each week you'll learn how to live with greater intentionality and an integrated faith that naturally fits into every area of life. In other words, discipleship is a lifestyle. This is the stuff your parents, pastors, and seminary professors forgot to tell you. I'm Heath Hollinsby, and I'm here with your host, Caesar Kalinowski. Hey, brother. What's going on, my friend? Hey, man. Another Monday morning. What'd you, uh, what'd you guys do for Easter yesterday? Anything fun? Well, it's, yeah, but it was different. Probably right? the most unique uh, Easter gathering you've ever... Well, not so much. I mean, obviously, you know, our focus is, is you know, after, you know, last week and all, our focus is moving towards the cross and now, to, you know, yesterday, resurrection and all of that. So that's normal. But it's certainly the process and the practices were a little different. Mm-hmm. Um, and But yeah, but no, our family, you know, Team K, we, we kind of old school always do the big Easter meal together and, you know, yeah. do that. But um, my son and his wife, they're... Uh, recently pregnant so they're kind of extra quarantining sure. right now so they were online for the whole you know for oh, a bunch yeah. of that with Visiting. us so, we, so you know we did online easter egg hunting and uh-huh. you know online easter dinner and you know a lot of stuff but a whole bunch of us you know our immediate team k family we were all together still and enjoyed the heck out of it yeah man are you guys like a ham or a lamb or a do you guys have like a staple that you go to on easter well so yeah that's that's very insightful actually of you so being <laughs> polish um a, a tradition of at least my family growing up but i think it's kind of a polish tradition yeah. is you always have a smoked polish sausage for breakfast oh right? start off strong yeah right yeah. no you always do <laughs> and, and so we have that with then you know peeled boiled eggs you know yeah. all the you know get the hand dye you know hands dyed from the eggs and all but um so yeah so we always do that we always start the day with the smoked polish sausage and eggs but then um yeah we kind of like to do the ham usually because yeah. we do turkey right okay. we do turkey at thanksgiving and then of course, Polish sausage. <laughs> yeah, sure. And then at Christmas, often it's turkey again. Our kids love it, you know. Oh, so, turkey. so yeah, ham is the Easter jam, and uh, we we love it. But uh, how about how about you? Anything fresh or new? We're getting ready to talk about uh, communion. Communion this week. You were telling me yeah. about a pretty groovy communion experience you had, like your favorite yeah. one ever. Yeah. So I've taken communion obviously my whole life, and I've done the the dip the bread. I've done the fake bread, or not the fake bread, but the cracker with the 
crappy plastic. The little cup. eighth inch by eighth inch wafer. <laughs> it's so bad. Makes is, me not want to be a Christian. Is, is it yeah. in the bottom of a cup? I can't even see it. Two cups. Yeah, the yeah, the one on the bottom. Well, the best I, ex- I, I went to sorry, I'm jumping in here. You go. When I was at the mega church, the senior pastor was always like, when you you know, like if I was announcing communion or whatever from the front, mm-hmm. you know, thousands of people taking it. He's like, Don't forget to say there's two cups. I was like, I think everybody knows it. Right? Everyone's pretty clear. I think yeah. everybody's got it. There's a wafer cup, there's a little splash of juice cup. <laughs> like, no, but sometimes they forget and then they want a second round. Make oh. sure you remind them like We've done it the same way for like 11 years. Like, yeah, you know? it's not that big. <laughs> no, you know what? I got to experience last year in Cambridge, England. Um, I went to this liturgical service, and it was really cool. A totally different way of doing communion. And the reason we're setting this up is because the show today is about communion. Um, but what you did is you were you were in your pews, and you were called up. So you walk up the front aisle to the priest, and you kneel, and the priest takes the bread and places it in your mouth for you. And so you don't, you're, you're receiving it. You're not taking it for yourself. This is pre-COVID, clearly. Yeah, pre-COVID, yeah. No one's touching your anything now. <laughs> no, but the same thing with a yeah. cup is is all these people, you're drinking from the same cup that everyone else did. Uh, but what was really wild you're scaring is, everybody. <laughs> as you walk down the center aisle in this, in this old church, the center aisle was actually the tombstones of some of the people in the in the church that had passed before. And Whoa. so and then on each side of you as you walk to the front, the choir's on the left and the right. So you're you're walking on people that have already in the faith gone on before you as you approach the altar and you have the choir singing on both sides of you. So it's a sonic experience. And then you get you Pretty kneel visceral. down. Oh, wow. it was amazing. All the senses and I I mean the lady in front of me was probably a ninety five year old uh, you know, English woman and I shared the same cup as her, and I just thought it was a really cool, weird way of doing wow. communion. But there was so much meaning and sensory overload, and I thought it was kind of a fun, weird experience. Wow, I can kind of see it. <laughs> In England, and of I can all things. I smell the place, yeah. <laughs> oh, it was awesome, man. One of the things that Christians around the world are wondering about today or maybe even abstaining from in fear or confusion, is connected to the issue of the sacrament of Holy Communion. Mm, My question is, can we, should we, how do we participate in the sacrament as the Church during these times of social distancing, and not being in the same room together, or or having a pastor or even an elder present. How do we do this? Yeah, it is it is tricky and there's a lot of, you know, stuff that kind of rolls into that, right? Because there are you know, so many of us, right, that this is a very visceral part of our faith. Like mm-hmm. we're connected to it. Now, and I know some traditions and some churches don't do it as regularly as others. Um in recent years, the communities I've all part been a part of, we pretty much did it every time we gathered. Yep. Um I think that's we see that kind of biblically that the church gathered around the Agape feast, which was really a, a reenactment of the Passover slash Lord's Supper together, right? But there are various traditions and beliefs that really come into play when we start looking at like well, how do we do it outside of a church building or outside of someone wearing vestments sure. or a person with a certain title and all that, right? And so you think about like Catholics and some other Orthodox religions, um, they they really believe in connection to communion, uh, this idea of transubstantiation, right? Okay. And that's the process by which the, they believe the bread and wine of the Eucharist is transformed literally actually into the body and blood of Christ. And Catholics believe that through transubstanti- <laughs> transubstantiation, I don't say that very often, um, <laughs> the risen Christ, uh, Jesus becomes truly present in the Eucharist, hmm. right? So, yep. so um, that's not my personal belief, but sure. I know there are, you know... I've got some great Catholic friends that... Billions of people believe that. Okay? So I, we're not here to debate that part. Um, now, 
Then you've got like let's a click over like did Luther believe in transubstantiation? Well, in the in the Protestant Reformation, the doctrine of transubstantiation became a matter of a lot of controversy. Hmm. And Luther himself held that, and this is like a quote I found: "It's not the doctrine of transubstantiation which is to be believed, but simply that Christ really is present." at the communion event, you know, okay. at the Eucharist, right? Which makes sense, yeah. Yeah, so some Protestant traditions even, like I said, let's say now in denominations, adhere to really strict clergy or elder-led participation in communion. So then that kind of messes them up when it comes to, well, how do we do this like online? Or how do we do this now when we're not all in the same room together? Sure. Or people are, you know, they're getting together online to worship or maybe open up the word and do Bible study. That seems cool. But like, could we do communion together? And they're like forbidden, right? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Okay, so that's interesting because communion or the Eucharist or even the Lord's Supper, as it's called, was actually instituted by Jesus in the upper room on the night that he was betrayed by one of his disciples, Judas. Yeah. And it happened as part of a festival celebration that began in the Old Testament period. And Jesus... And Jewish people would have celebrated Passover in remembrance of how God leads his people out of slavery, right? What does Scripture truly say about this? Yeah, well, you're right. Like you said, the first ever communion service, you know, or what we call the Lord's Supper, occurred during a meal that was part of their, like, annual, long-held Passover celebration. And you can read about that in the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, they all record that first communion together. Now, here's a piece of Luke's account, all right? It says, and when he had taken a cup and given thanks, um, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Hmm. And he said, take this and share it amongst yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now on until the kingdom of God comes. And when he had taken some bread and given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Hmm. Okay. And uh, I think those last six words and the Apostles Paul reminder in 1 Corinthians 11 are really the motivation for why we take communion together as Jesus followers. Do this in remembrance of me. So what do these six words, or even overall, what does the Last Supper slash First Communion actually teach us? Well, think about that. If, if, if that is if that is true that like you know and you think about that jesus is saying do this now whenever you do this do this in remembrance of me Hmm. i believe that we when we take communion it is a reminder and a demonstration and we've talked about that before on life school yeah and i we've got an upcoming episode we're going to really dig into that but um communion this 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 sharing of of the bread as representation of christ's body and his blood shed for the remission of sins, this enacting of a new covenant between God and man, uh, it reminds us exactly of who God is. Hmm. He's an awesome God, the Alpha and the Omega, and he's sovereign. He's in control. Remembering the, all of this, it's important to us, but it's important to God too. Yeah, it, it means to rehearse, to replay, to recount his ways and who he is to us. And it helps us remember how he has been faithful throughout all of history, but also more importantly on a personal level, right? And like bringing it home yeah. because you're eating a very common thing together across the table. Right. This remembrance, it's actually commanded. And participation, I think, in communion, it's not really an option for Christians, you know? Mm. Like we've been called to do this as often as you do this, like eat together, remember me. And like I said you know, previously, 
uh, today, this idea of an agape feast or coming together around a remembrance of Christ's life and death and resurrection, his body given, his blood poured out for the new covenant, is is what the church met about. It's Hmm. not enough to simply say remember, but we participate in it. And, and check this out. This is not like a brand new command that started with Jesus and his disciples at the Last Supper. Sure. Uh, here's a verse from Isaiah 46, 9 to 10. It says, Remember the things I have done for you in the past, for I am God, and there's no one like me. From the very beginning, I told what would happen long before it took place. I keep my word, and I fulfill my promises. I know the end from the beginning. Hmm. Wow. So cool. I mean, connect that to what was going on there in, you know, with Jesus and the Passover and the, and you know, that, that last supper, which is really the first communion yeah. and that's not even new, right? It's, it's kind of a restating of how God has always felt about this. Like he's giving us these reminders and a demonstration, a reminder of who he is, what's true of him, what he's done and a demonstration of how we now get to live. It's yeah. powerful, man. You know, I don't. I, I think I know your your answer on this next question, but I think it's important because I have a lot of friends that debate about this this very question. But in your belief, do you think this is actually it actually has to be bread and actual wine in order for this to be effective to to remember properly? Yeah, well, I'd say if if really the goal is to remember Christ and His life given, His body broken, His blood shed, mm-hmm. then is it about Him or is it about the stuff? Right? Yeah. Right. And, and, and there again, like you said, people debate this. Some people is like, no, no, it has to be unleavened bread or it doesn't count. Yeah. And some people is like, well, it can't be gluten-free. You know, but a lot yeah. of churches now you go and they have regular bread, they have gluten-free bread, they have wine, they have uh, non-alcoholic wine, they have grape juice, they have gluten-free grape. I'm not, I'm, I'm sometimes, I've even I'm, heard denominations like battle about whether or not you chew the bread or you swallow it to take, yeah, I mean, it's just weird stuff. Yeah, because there's something from one of the <laughs> confessions of faith that it has like, it has to be crushed up with the teeth, and yeah. All, right? Yeah. So, it's a little while. Holy moly, I think it's adventures in missing the point. So <laughs> personally, no, I don't think that it, you know, the type of bread or that it had to be bread. Like I I have done communion in so many ways. Just recently online even, I did communion with a, a community hmm. and um, I didn't lead it. I was part of it. And it was gorgeous. And they just said, hey, whatever you have, right? Yeah. And some people had bread. I had I had found like a piece of bread. We don't do a lot of bread because I don't eat a lot of carbs. You know? sure. But I found some bread. I had a little bread. It was actually part of a, a hamburger bun. That's what I had. Huh. That's the only bread I had, okay, yeah. in the house. So I grabbed a corner of a of you know uh, a hamburger bun. Does that count? Well, technically it's bread, you know. Yeah, sure. See, I think what Jesus was doing is he was taking the most common elements of a meal. Yep. In other words, what do they have with every single meal back in those days? Yeah. Bread. They had bread because that <laughs> fills wine. you up. They had wine that settles your stomach. It's good for you. It's part of celebrating. All those things, right? Sure. And I'm not here to debate was it alcoholic or not. You make your own calls, you know. But um, I think he was. His point was, I am taking the most common things and something that you're going to do with regularity, which is eat, sure, and have a need for a provision to be fulfilled. So as often as you have need and hunger and thirst and come together in a common union, like when you pick up the bread or when you pick up the pizza crust or when you grab that bit of waffle at breakfast, you know, I I really do. Some people are like, oh, that's sacrilegious. It's like, I don't think so. I don't think so because the point's not the stuff. The point is Christ and his body and his life and his blood shed and all that. And so I don't think it has to be um, actual bread or actual wine. And if I got into the list of things that I've actually participated in communion in beautiful, (laughs) powerful ways Mm. that 
you know, just, oh, gripped us because of who Christ is and what he's done and that remembrance of that and that hope that that brings. If I told you actually some of the elements we actually use, some people flip out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I won't even get into them. People yeah. will think less of me or, yeah, I don't know, maybe it's impossible to, right? You know, <laughs> the other thing too that I've, I've had many debates about is people saying that, well, you can't do this unless you're with the body in a local church. And so now that makes it... Which is, of impo- course, a church is the building. Yeah, exactly, right? Yeah, but what if your church terms. doesn't own a building? What if you're renting the... the uh, holiday in you know or like the school gym exactly or what if you're you know what if you can't meet or what if you're uh, an older person who can't actually make it into the church building anymore and you know like yeah, so exactly so clearly well so let's go back to let's go back to the narrative let's go back to the gospels where did that first communion last supper that passover celebration occur for jesus and where did it occur by the way the passover celebration for jews for millennial from you know forever right yeah uh in a home Yep. In the upper room. It was the upper room of what? A uh, church building. <laughs> no. <laughs> nope. uh, the upper room of someone's house. They said, hey, there's going to be a guy and he's going to help us out. And he's got a room big enough for us to have a meal, you know, because there's a bunch of us. Sure. And and everybody, it's, you know, the reason we're sending you there is because like everybody's doing, so, you know, Passover right now because it was Passover week. Right. But he's got a room for us. Well, it wasn't a church building. And guess yeah. what? It wasn't even a synagogue. Ooh. Oh, we got it. You know what? They yeah. always did Passover in a synagogue. No, they didn't. They did it in homes. Oh, by the way, were there elders present from the church? No, there weren't any yet. Hmm. The head, the head of the church was there. Sure, and he still is because Jesus says, "I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Yep. I am with you always." Do we believe that? So, yeah. so how about this? Uh, the churches that say, "Well, you can't do it unless someone who you know is a pastor, well, like appointed by who." And yeah. is he the head of the church? No, Christ is the head of the church. And so great to have pastors do it. Great to have elders do it. But but aren't we, do we really believe in the priesthood of all believers? Do we believe Christ is the head of the church, that he enacted this for us, that he said, do this in remembrance of me? And then he did it with normal people. He didn't say like, now once you get a degree at, at a sure. seminary, which didn't exist, or once you go to a different building, or once someone calls you an elder, which was, we've talked about that before, what yeah. an elder really was, you know, it's like an older person in the community who was trusted, right? Yep, and so absolutely. it was none of that. In fact, some of Jesus' disciples didn't even believe yet he was the Messiah. And one of them sitting at there at the table was Judas, who was the betrayer. <laughs> yeah, it was Jesus, a rag. In fact, Jesus gets into it right after they do the communion. He starts saying like, well, maybe it's right before him. He says, some, yeah. depends on which gospel count you read. Yeah, even one of you that's going to dip the bread right now. Going to betray me. Yeah, yeah. like he's even telling everybody, and they're all like, me? They're all like freaking all a bit shaking in their boots. Like, is it me? Is it me? No, it's not me. It's not not you. It's, you know, it's you, you know? (laughs) So, no, I don't think what we eat is dictated, and I don't think where it happens or even who hands you that. And I know some people are saying, you're you're freaking me out here. I can't do it. Or I agree with you, but I'd get kicked out of my church if I did that. I'm not here to talk you in or out of anything, but I am pointing you to scripture. Okay. Yeah. You know, right now, millions of Christian believers are assuming they can't receive or participate in communion because they're at home. Hmm. However, you know, before the coronavirus locked down our world, millions of believers were already taking communion as they hid because of persecution around yeah, the world. Absolutely. And I've been there. I've been with those people. I yeah. literally have. But guess what? There's no official anything. There's no official building, no official titles. They're making I, it happen. Yeah. The food is like barely would be called food or bread. There's no mm-hmm. wine, whatever. There's not, you know, it might have been literally some goat milk and a little a pasty kind of something they called the bread. But sure. you know, it wasn't the point. It was beautiful. Other brothers and sisters in Christ are homebound, 
right? Because they're sick or they have a disability or they don't have transportation, right? But they've received and been blessed by the taking and participating in communion, right? In this reminder and demonstration of Christ's body and blood. So let me just say that false assumptions or limiting beliefs or limiting traditions and fear, that's what the enemy wants for us. Hmm. He wants us to feel scattered and isolated and alone, he wants us to think that we're vulnerable because we can't gather at a church building anymore. Yeah. Um, and that couldn't be further from the truth. We are the church. Yep. We are the body of Christ. We now have his spirit indwelled in us. We don't have to invite him in. He, he yeah. came you know, because of Christ. When we, we accept Christ, we, we receive his spirit. And Jesus says, where you go, I, there's two more or two or more of you. I, I'm there also. And even when I send you, don't worry about it. I go with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Listen, if Jesus is with us, bro, and it doesn't matter what we got before us, if we take those elements as a reminder and demonstration of Christ and his accomplishment at the cross and the new covenant, I believe he's with us. I think we're good to go. Yeah, I, I think you're so right I just now. want to release people for what it's worth from, you know, <laughs> from Caesar and Heath. <laughs> we release you. Christ is with you. He's the head of the church. He's the one who said, do this. He did it with unbelievers. He didn't do it in a church building. No one had a title. Yeah. You're good. Okay. He didn't even have a yeah seminary degree, as you said, right? <laughs> yeah, I think this is really helpful, actually, as we look at the history of the church and different meanings and even some traditions connected with the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. And one thing we love to do on the show is give people actual tangible ways to, to kind of live this out. Yeah. And so let's give them some practical ways to actually participate and share in communion during these times of social distancing and physical distancing as well. Yeah. Okay. So I kind of brainstormed this up because most of us have kind of done this and it can fall into like the routine of like, well, this is how our church has done it. Sure. We always kind of do it that way. We read this chunk of scripture, these two plastic cups, whatever, or we tear the bread, but no one dips or no, we dip or we, you know, right, whatever. And you kind of do it the same way. Um, you know, in, in, in the early days of Soma, when we would gather, we did it every single time we gathered, and we tried to do it different almost every time. <laughs> you know, huh. so I was trying to like go back into the memory banks and all. Before I get into those, let me just, uh, I want to, I want to, I don't, because I don't want to forget it. Um, coming up here, like real soon, depending on when you're listening to this, Monday, April 20th, um, I'm going to be doing another one of those like online four day trainings that I've yeah, done yeah. before, the, the Everyday Disciple Challenge, except this is the social distancing edition. Ooh. So if you've done an Everyday Disciple Challenge with me before, where I kind of lay out the basic, you know, roadmap of discipleship that we use and start with. And we give people homework and downloads and, you know, a little challenge each day to try something. Sure. This is sort of the, the, uh, social distancing edition. All right. So even if you've done it, do it again. All right. Okay. And we're going to help you lay out, um, discipleship rhythms that work now and, and they'll work into the future. I promise. So if Great. folks want to register for that, it's free. You can just go to one, two, three lifeschool.com forward slash challenge. Nice. There you awesome. Go. Okay. Let's get into, I, I came up with five ways and you can take these ideas and you can actually mix and match the parts, you know, cause like some of them are like, okay, I could do that part with this part. Right. Or yep. what if we did that one, which you said was for families, but I'm going to do it with my whole community. Yeah. Right. So sure. I'm going to give you five ways and I'm going to kind of categorize them just to help you understand and remember them, but feel free to, you know, mix and match, rinse and repeat. <laughs> okay. okay. Perfect. So here's, Here's my first way, and maybe a lot of people are already doing this. It's whatever your tradition has been, but you're doing it online, okay? You're doing it on Zoom or FaceTime or Skype or whatever. So do whatever your normal church tradition is, led by your pastor or an elder, if that's your tradition, but you're doing an online version. And so, you know, everyone has agreed upon the elements 
to have at home and have ready. So if it be bread or wine or juice or whatever you guys do, and if maybe it has to be a specific type of bread and you even have access to it, maybe your church can figure out a way to, you know, have it available and have it, you know, prepackaged where no one's touched it, a place where you can pick it up, you know, and I'm sure you can sort that all out, right? But don't don't stop doing this because, well, it's a little inconvenient. What? You know, like, um, and and, and so what you're going to do is you're going to do what you always kind of have done, but together with more distance between you. Okay. Okay. And so, like I said, maybe you've already started doing this as a church. I, you know, I've read a few things online where people are kicking around like, Hey, we have to, we get to, right. Sure. But then they've thrown a lot of these limitations that we talked about on there. I think it's great. And I can hold great meaning right now to experience communion in a way that you're really familiar with already Sure. during times that are, you know, so uncertain and there's so much change going on. So yeah. I think it's really cool. Like, Hey, we did it the same way we've always done it. We just did an online version and yeah. okay, great. That probably it. bring great comfort and meaning to you. So that's one way, right? Okay. Super practical. Uh, yeah, super practical. Okay, here's the second way. I call this the priesthood of all believers. Okay. This would be a, a variation and slight modification of your traditional version, the one I just described, but done online. Okay. And here's the powerful change, though. It has everyone who's online together repeats key phrases of that ceremony together as the elements are shared. Okay. Okay. So, you know, depending on what your tradition is and how it's, you know, the, the, the bread is handed out or the, or the cup is handed out or whatever, everyone repre- repeats the traditional words like after whoever's leading it said it. So like, um, this is Christ's body given for you. And everybody says, this is Christ's body given for you. Wow. And you're saying it to one another and then then you take that bread or you pick up your bread or whatever. Sure. And, and then whoever says, you know, and this is the blood of Jesus shed for you. And yep. then everybody says that together. This is the blood of Christ shed for you. Or whatever mm. your pastor normally says as you eat the bread and take the cup, say it together as a community. Make it more participatory. Yeah, that's a really cool right? idea. So that, I call that the priesthood of all believers. In other words, if we believe that, um, even if you go like, yeah, but listen, we don't want to get in trouble with the domination and we really do believe this. And so there has to be an, you know, an, uh, an elder or a pastor there. Sure. Okay. Well, there's no saying probably that probably doesn't file anything that you can all repeat yeah. after and, and enjoying it that way. Right? Absolutely. I like the, I like the, uh, the priesthood of all believers actually being brought into this because you don't see, usually see it that way. You see it as one or two people leading the whole thing and you just kind of like, like almost well, like a the zombies walk down version the front. of it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Come on. So. All right. Number three, this okay. is really cool. Yeah. So this is what I call my kids focused version. Okay. Okay. Um, so the idea here is let your kids who are old enough, like for parts of it, but they can all do part of it. Sure. Your kids who are old enough, let them read the scripture story of the last supper and have them be the ones who hand out the elements. So you can, you know, go to either one of the gospels that you like. They're all a little different, a little sure. shorter, longer, have some of them are, have a little more, you know, uh, of the story involved, or you can go to first Corinthians 11. You'll find that like That's right. in, you know, 20 to 30, somewhere in there. Okay. And so, um, have one of the kids, and I'm talking about, you can do this online, right? Mm. Have one of the, you know, like have the kids, Hey, today we're going to take communion and, um, and maybe you need to have a, you know, pastor and elder president. Maybe you don't, that's, that's your call. Um, but we're going to have, we're going to have so-and-so read this story or you break the story up and have two or three kids read it. Right. Yeah. And I'm telling you like, uh, having kids read scripture out loud and just the innocence of all that you oh, will hear it completely different. Right. Yep. Years ago when I was in, you know, production at a church and huge mega church, we did a video all gauzy and expensive and beautiful, uh, of one of the uh, Psalms. And we had a little girl read it and we shot it and we went and shot, it was like all, you know, about the gates and all this stuff. And, huh. and we shot it all and it was so gorgeous. Everybody wept. It won awards. It, it just, oh, wow. well, it was the same Psalm, but like when you hear a kid read it, right. Oh, it's amazing. So do that. And then 
discuss what each one of the elements reminds us of. Okay. And, and what it's a demonstration for each of us today. So you can have the kids then like say, okay, so now we're going to, you know, Jesus took the bread yeah. and he broke it and he thanked his father for it. So let's go ahead and pray. Yeah, and one of the kids cool. prays, right? And then you discuss like, okay, so what's the bread remind us of? Mm. It reminds us of his body. Yep. It reminds us of provision. It reminds us of that, you know, we can't supply our own needs, but God can provide it, yep. you know, Through like Jesus, he's yeah. the bread of life, right? And so you could discuss that, right? Hmm. And, and and then what's it a demonstration of, you know? What yeah, really it? drawing them into the conversation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and then discuss how each of us might live today or this week as a reminder of what God is like. Hmm. Right. See how we're pulling it back to this yeah. reminder, but you're you're kind of letting the kids lead it, but you're kind of leading the kids in it. Yeah. But, but it's all, everybody's doing it, right? Cool idea. Um, you know, and like, how is this a reminder of what God is like, or what Jesus is like and done for us? And how might we demonstrate His love to others this week? You know, within our family, or on our block, in some sort of safe way, or sure. online, or over chat, or maybe sending out text messages. So you can do this online as a community, or you could probably do a form of this as a family. You know, any night at dinner or at your breakfast or whatever, but yeah. letting your kids lead the community, you know, maybe with some help and guidance, right? But letting them lead the community will be a powerful way and a powerful new way of experiencing this blessing of communion and the sacrament. Yeah. And I'm telling you, it'll be one you won't soon forget. Like tears will flow. <laughs> well, it's almost that same concept too of the the invitation and challenge too. You know, when you invite your kids into it and challenge them a little bit, you start cranking it up. That's and discipleship over time. Yeah, in absolutely. the reels, yep. right? That is discipleship happening in everyday life right there, boom. You know? yeah. And it, there again, if you feel like, well, I love the idea of that. I don't know if that would fly. You know, we're doing this online with a bunch of people on Zoom or, you know, Skype or whatever. Well, then practice it at home and, let, yeah. and, then, and maybe let your kids practice it a few times so they don't feel like yep. weird about it. And then say, hey, Sunday, would you help us do this? Give them some right? ownership, yeah. That's oh, my great. goodness. Okay, so here's sort of the at-home family version, but this could I, this could easily certainly be used online together as well. Okay. Okay. So, and I got some of these ideas from an author, uh, Heather Riggleman, and I really loved it, so I, hmm. I kind of just adapted a little bit. But um, so for, for those who are wanting to participate in communion at home together as a family, okay. right? Because a lot of churches, they're not even doing an online thing, so they're just going, hey, be the church at home. Yeah, and maybe, to, yeah. you know, as families, right? Like, yeah. so maybe it's your extended family a little bit, you know, your kids come back at home or whatever, you know. We're hanging out a lot as Team K all the time, but even more these days, right? Sure. So um, they're so... Um, they have the communion elements together, right? Okay. So make sure that every, you know, you've got that stuff, bread or a wafer representing Christ's body and some wine or juice representing his blood. And then here's, here's a little order, kind of a little order of service, if you will. Um, start by searching your heart for any unconfessed sin. You can look up 1 Corinthians 11, 23, yeah. 30 there. Again, it's that, it's the description of, of, you know, uh, this first, you know, the first communion there, the last supper going on. Sure. But then it gets into like, hey, Search your hearts before you do this, right? So this, I'm not just making this up. So search your heart for confess sin. Um, then confess your sins to God. Yep. Right? And like, so well, that seems so weird to do that. This is the oldest traditional way of being the church <laughs> forever. If this <laughs> seems history. awkward, please recapture this. Yeah. This should not be awkward to search our hearts and confess our sin you know, one to another and to God. First yep. John 1, 9, right? Basic. Um, if there's unresolved conflict in anybody in your family or in your community, um, seek reconciliation. Yeah. Matthew five twenty three. Right. Yep. Um, I wish more people did that. By the way, that's one for me. That I mean, Matthew five is pretty clear. And I've got some friends that I've been at odds at and tried pursuing, and it's not happening. And I'm like, 
No, this is actually, this is a prep step in, in taking the Lord's yeah, Supper. Yeah, that's the whole but, thing. If you remember a brother or sister has something against you, know, against you or yeah. like there's something just not right, try to deal with that. Yeah. Go deal with it. Yeah, and it's not it saying like, oh, and if you don't, before you take communion, somehow you're cursed or whatever. It's saying, let this beautiful, this is what this verse is about, let this beautiful thing you're doing together, yeah. remembering Christ and who's in us and for us and in and, and a common union. Let that bring up like, oh, wait a minute, you know, I'm supposed to be common and have all in common with my brother Heath, but you know what? Last time we saw each other, we it didn't end well. Yeah. Let that be a reminder, like, go deal with that. Yep. Go extend the forgiveness you've been, you know, extended, <laughs> you know, the, you know, the love and accept, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, next step, reflect on all that Jesus did and went through to pay the penalty for your sins. Mm-hmm. And that's where you could totally read through one of the gospel accounts again, or first Corinthians 11, 23 to 30 there. Sure. Um, and you can make this as long or short as you want that part. I would say read one of the gospel accounts, like in Matthew 26 or there again, 1 Corinthians 11. Okay. And, and, and maybe uh, uh, then reflect on all that with like a prayer together, or maybe there's a song that you just love that really mm. fits communion, right? Yeah. Like that together. And you can do it real simply. You could do it a cappella, or someone could lead on a guitar or communion. You could listen. For those who say, well, I can't lead worship, you know, I can't carry a tune in a bucket. Every song you love is on YouTube in a trillion ways. Yeah, exactly. And it's Even on the karaoke Spotify. versions. Yeah. yeah. And there's karaoke versions. You can put yeah. it up on your TV and the lyrics will be there and it'll be like your yeah. worship team, right? Yeah. And then part. You know, go ahead and take communion together. Take the bread, take the wine hmm. or the juice or whatever, right? So, you see, there's a whole little liturgy here, but it's very simple. It's sure. very traditional, to be honest with you, very tried and true. And then end in prayer as the Holy Spirit leads, right? Give thanks for Christ's body and yeah. his blood. Be, be grateful together for this new covenant, a covenant where God keeps both sides of the agreement. He's like, I've been your God, and now I've enabled you to be my people. I will always be your hmm. God, and now you will always be my people. Right. It's beautiful. So I think that's like the family at home version where it okay. gives you like basically there's a whole little church service around communion. Yeah. Um, again, thanks for that, Heather. Um, but you could also, I think, do all of that online depending yeah. on the size of your community and what you wanted to focus on. And if you wanted it to be the whole time together or whatever, because there's a lot of scripture there you could read. And so, yeah, you can even commission people to do different aspects of that. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, I love that. Yeah. yeah. All right. Number okay. five. I like this version, too. The, the gospel fluent version you were talking about. Yeah, so this this comes out again of some of our past and community, and uh, and I I think brother Jeff Vanderstilk might might have been the first guy to kind of pop the top on this for us. But okay. um, this one's a little more advanced, okay? And, and you'll see what I mean by this in a minute. It's not as quick to go through, but it is powerful and it's amazing, and it's a way to teach and practice gospel fluency, kind of baked right into the Lord's Supper each time you do it, right? Okay. So here's how it kind of goes. And then we'll practice this, like we'll do a real-time example is for folks in a second. But sure. here's what we do. Obviously, I'm going to describe this. Some of it's going to like, well, you're in the same room together? Wait, like whatever. Maybe you're in the same room together because it's your family. Or maybe like it's your extended family, but you guys have been sort of sheltering in place or whatever, you know. Sure. It, okay. Or maybe you're doing this online. It works exactly the same. Um, one person t- turns to another person. And so, like, if you're sitting on the couch, it might be the person next to you. If you're online, you just, you pick somebody. And, um, or you just start and you share a current need or concern or fear that you have. Okay. Like, what's on your heart? So this is kind of like taking prayer and gospel fluency and communion and wrapping it all into one beautiful, like, experience together. So you share a concern or a need or a fear. okay? Okay. And then the other person reminds you how Jesus' life. Okay. Right. 
and death and resurrection was given for you, how his life, his body was given for you, and how his blood, the blood of a new covenant, forever stands to confirm God's care and particular provision for that thing, that area of your need or concern or fear. Okay. Right? So is that making sense? Yeah, so I'm gonna so far, I'm yeah. gonna share like, oh, you know, I'm really stressing out about this right now. Or, you know, my wife and I have been at each other's throats lately because we're just so confined and we're not used to it, or the kids are going nuts and I've been hollering at them a lot or whatever. Sure. All right. I mean that's that's legit, those right? Are normal that, things, yeah. Those are normal things. Like well, that's part of communion. It sure gets to be. Because yeah. the gospel speaks to everything. And so then you could say, Well, you know, how does the gospel fit into that? Well, it does, right? It does. So you like your frustration over their lack of performance. And uh, and following the rules and obedience, yep. that's what Christ died for because of our lack of that. So I just sure. want to remind you that Christ's body was given and his perfect life was exchanged for your imperfect, <laughs> imperfect performance and adherence and obedience and all that, right? And his blood was shed of a new covenant that says forever God's not going to hold that against you. It's forgiven as far as the east is from the west. It's removed, mm. right? So good. And so as you take this body and this blood today, remember the, that good news for you. Yeah. Right. Wow. See, now that just took a beautiful communion. Didn't take it out of context. Completely spoke the gospel yep. into it, and just kind of fixed my heart a little bit. Huh? <laughs> right. A little. A little tune. So up. let's do one with you. What's sure. uh, let's got anything that would be like a real concern or something in your heart? Let's say we were taking yeah. communion together, and you'd share that with me. And then, like, now who's the person that responds to them? Anybody who wants to. Like yeah. when we do it in a circle, you just. You say it to the person to your right, and you hand them the bread, and you go, this is Christ's body given for you. Yeah. What needs or concerns do you have? And they share it. Yeah. And then you speak the gospel to them, right? Yeah, that's good. Um, and then they would then do the same thing to the person to their right. Now, online, you can just decide how you want to do it. You know? yeah, whoever's next to you on Zoom. So right? anyway, let's give people one, one quick example, like okay. in real time, and then we got to wrap this up. Yeah, so you know, something that's been on my mind the, uh, the last couple weeks more than more than ever is just this fear that uh that you know my day-to-day parenting is is ruining my kids growing up like my fear is i'm not going to be enough of a father to make them like the narratives that they're starting to believe in their head Mm. as they grow up i want to make jesus look beautiful i get frustrated i lose my cool am i ruining them that's kind of the ultimate baseline gotcha well, I, I would want to remind you, brother, that this this bread here represents Christ's body and his perfect life given in place of your imperfect one. Hmm. Like, I know you well, and you're a pretty good guy, but you're not a perfect person, and you're not a perfect God, yeah, uh, perfect dad, but you have one who is perfect, hmm. and he chose you yeah. for his own and chose to lay his life down for you. And his perfect father is the one who sent him to do that hmm. in That's your good. place, right? Yeah. And his blood was shed. To remind you that, that that is sealed regardless of what you do. You're forgiven for that. Mm. That grace is being shed upon you and for you. And mm. you know what? For your kids as well. And that grace, the grace of that new covenant sealed in Christ's blood is so much stronger and more powerful and more eternal than any of our good or bad parenting. <laughs> our news, best man. parenting or our imperfect parenting. Yeah. That, that, that all the things that need grace in your life and your parenting have been shed by this blood and sealed mm. forever. So take this blood and bread and remember that, brother. That's true for you today. That's a good reminder, man. That's you see how different that is. That it's I mean that life speaking. It's more than just the plastic you know, cup. Little wave for you. Boom, boom. We're over. Sing a song, right? It's yeah, like, I know. It's actually gospeling people's hearts. And and I exactly. And it's it's rehearsing the gospel. And it's it's like it can apply to like you go around the room with twelve people. That'd be twelve different 
probably things. But guess yeah. what? Every other parent's hearing that going like, I needed that too, right? Yeah, It's exactly. beautiful. Now, some people are going to say like, boy, I couldn't do what you just did, Caesar. I couldn't even think it up. You know what? Or maybe a couple people in our community would be that fluent, but some couldn't, others couldn't. Then just do what you can. Yeah. Like don't. It takes this time is, too. It this takes is, practicing. Yeah. This is not a time to be like worried about your performance of how well you do it. Do it the best you can. Speak the best you can. It's still going to be, I promise you, such good news yeah. connected to the life, death, and resurrection of Christ and his shed blood to seal an eternal <laughs> new covenant where it's all done. There's nothing we don't have to prove or earn anymore. Yeah. That's good news for everything. So do your best to connect mm. those dots. You'll get better and better at it. Even if you only did a few and then everybody else you know, took the bread and took the cup and you prayed together, it'd still be so powerful, Yeah, so meaningful. No, it's good. It is really good. Uh, I hope that helps, brother. Yeah, absolutely, man. And and like you said, the more that people actually step into this, and you know, a lot of times you're not going to learn to speak this way unless you actually go out and do it among people you feel safe with. And who else than your family or your community group or your oh missional community? Gosh. Yeah, like, you'll never practice. speak the gospel out in the world or at work or out, you know, where you play or have you know with others if you can't do it as the church. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. And I know right now, again, so many people are not getting to do communion together or they're afraid to do it because they're not supposed to, or they're not sure what the polity or the rules are and all. And I just want to say, you know, for me, the greatest picture that we have of life in the kingdom is expressed every time a few of us share in this Lord's Supper together, Mm -hmm. sharing simple communion, this common union and need that we have together. However we do it magnifies what we hope to experience as Jesus did with others at every meal we have. So Jesus' last meal with his disciples before going to the cross was a new kingdom rhythm that he gave for all of us. Hmm. So next time you're all together face-to-face or online or just a few of you at home or as a family, take out some bread and a cup of something delicious to drink, examine your hearts in prayer, and then look into the eyes of those you love, all right? Hmm. And invite everyone to say yes to our king, with whatever faith they can muster up that day. He knows. He's the perfect one. We're not. And as the bread is shared and his sips are taken from that cup, be reminded of something eternally profound, that that we're all in need and we're all hungry, and only God can provide what is necessary to fill our stomachs and satisfy the greatest hunger in our life. That's with himself. Mm-hmm. There is a new kingdom, and its king has come. So we get to live in it. Amen. And, you know, and the beautiful thing, even as you were just talking there in the closing, I, I was thinking about how how important it is for people to dismantle some of these, like you said, adventures of missing the points. When people want to take something so beautiful and so meaningful and and get stuck on whether or not the bread's unleavened or if it's the right wine or if it's the alcohol content of the wine or it's great. Like, oh my goodness. just dismantle that. It's just a useless... I just don't see any of those, those scientific fruitful. tests being done by Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, yeah. Or Paul or, you know, Peter, nobody, yeah. Hey, before we close up and get to the big three, I want you to rem- remind people about your April 20th uh, challenge that you've got coming up. Yeah, thanks, man. It's Everyday Disciple Challenge, the, the shelter in place or social distancing mm-hmm. or whatever you want to call it addition, right? So it's it's four days of training. I'll come online on Facebook in the Life School podcast group. So there's another good reason. Yep. Join the group if you haven't. Um, and um, I'll do training for about 30, 35 minutes a day. And I'm going to teach you sort of our basic discipleship rhythms and things we do, but kind of in light of what we're doing and how you could still do them. Right. Okay. And I mean, here's, here's just a little idea what we're going to cover day one. We're going to talk about like, what is discipleship? And I'll give you a real practical working definition 
and along with that, a framework of discipleship that'll really forever change the way you make disciples. Nice. Oh, geez, it really will. Uh, day two on Tuesday, um, I'll be getting into your gospel identity and understanding how your true identity changes motivations okay. and how it actually sends us out on mission and it's so, how it's so key to making disciples in everyday life. Uh, day three, uh, we'll look at discipleship rhythms, and I'll uh, maybe you've heard me teach this before, but I'll, I'll I'll share the six ordinary rhythms of life that are perfectly created by God for natural daily discipleship. Sure, and maybe you've heard those before, but I'm going to kind of connect the dots to like what we're experiencing now and how to live out those same six rhythms. Oh, cool! They just they they're bulletproof, man. They work everywhere all the time. Yep. And then day four, we'll talk about finding the right missional balance. How did Jesus do that? How did Jesus find this balance? And, you know, move his disciples sort of from just kind of curious onlookers, tire kickers to mature disciples. It'll kind of help you answer the like, well, what do we do, though, now? <laughs> right? So sure. each day I'll have a little homework, a little go with it. And uh, it's fun. So so please check it out. Sign up at 123lifeschool.com forward slash challenge. It's free. And now if you're leading a community group or a missional community or you're a pastor, would you please like consider sharing this with your whole church? Like, hey, you know, we're doing this thing on Sunday, but like here's programming you don't have to do. Yeah, that'll jumpstart your disciple making. It'll help. I'll help you convince them that they can live this way yeah. every day, all the time, even now during you know uh, this isolation and pandemic, you know, distance and all that stuff that's sure. going on. So, like, seriously consider. Hey, if you trust us, you trust me. This is going to be kind of short and sweet with a little bit of homework, a lot of downloads and cool resources come with it each day, hmm. four days of training. So, one two three life school dot com forward slash challenge. Yeah, join me for that. Starting Monday, April 20th. Yep. Awesome. There you go. Hey, let's get to the big three, because we don't want to leave people without the big three, and those are the takeaways from today's topic that we want you walking away with. If nothing else, things you don't want to miss. And you get this as a printable PDF uh, by going to 123lifeschool.com forward slash big three. You'll get it as a free download. Caesar, what are the big three for this week? Okay, first, uh, don't miss these three things, all right? Uh, First thing, Jesus shared this meal that we just talked about with his disciples. And in so doing, he shared a meal and himself with us. Yeah. It's like in that meal, he invited us to the meal, to the table, but to his life. Jesus gave his entire life for his father's glory and our freedom. And he didn't leave us with a picture of himself sitting on a throne with angels floating overhead (laughs) or up in front of a crowd passing out knowledge. He shared himself through a meal. One of the most common and recurring activities in life and Jesus wants to be involved in every part of your daily life today, too. Amen. And this is one way, through communion together, through the Lord's Supper. Absolutely. Second thing, don't miss, the original Passover meal and the Lord's Supper that we just talked about with his disciples served as a reminder and a demonstration of his love and his ongoing pursuit of his people. Hmm. Okay? So ask yourself, are the ways you're leading right now and teaching and equipping or gathering people as the church— are they serving as a reminder of God's heart hmm. and what he's truly like, like really, really like, or is it high and lofty? Is it distant and removed? Are your ministry activities a tangible demonstration of how your folks can live their lives throughout the week to show others what God is like? Yeah, People need that right now. People are scared. They're alone. They're freaked out. They're separated. Are we just sort of doing church as usual, but streaming it on Facebook or, <laughs> or are we actually giving people a tangible reminder and demonstration? Those things can be. Yeah. And it makes more of everyday life an active part of discipleship when you do. Absolutely. All right, number three. Okay, number three. Um, what if you slow down enough to remember Jesus at every meal? Wow. Yeah, That's how about that? question, yeah. You know, every time we share a meal together, either as the body of Christ or as a family, we're participating in an invitation to make Jesus Lord in our life again. Hmm. To remember that God 
is our ultimate provision. I need that reminder a lot right now. You know, yeah. finances are unsure. Everything's changing and shifting, right? Sure. To accept the invitation of his forgiveness and restoration. Every meal, that's an offer for that. Yeah. His mercies are new every morning, and they're available to us every meal. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and you know one thing, I, as you were just saying that, it made me think of is, is how often this, this meal is taken as, do this in remembrance of me. Mo- many churches I've been in have treated it as this like somber, dead, oh, Jesus is about to die. You should feel bad. Remember, I died for you. Yeah, like like flog yourself a little bit. And, and yeah, I just had Easter, man. He's risen. We know yeah. the end of the story. We <laughs> win. He wins. Woo! Yeah, yeah, we're not living pre-resurrection. And so, you know, to even view it, when you're sitting there having a meal, do it in remembrance of Christ, but also remember that that there's promises of, of the banquet table that's coming. Like we are about to celebrate and it's Communion's be a celebration. I'm glad you brought that up, which yeah. that should have been at the top of this episode. Yeah. This should be a celebration. Yeah. This is post resurrection. Like you said, yeah, yeah right? it's not a, this isn't like mom. It's not like mom just died and we're going over to grandma's house to no, eat. He's, a, he's yeah. alive. He rose from the dead. All sin, sickness, death, put away, right? Yeah. Forgiveness, eternal, eternal life. All of that. Yeah. Yeah. A wedding feast Woo! coming. Yeah. It's yeah. going to be great. Yep. Yeah. So just want to throw that in there. All right. Don't forget, join me for the challenge coming up April 20th. Invite your church. Please do, right? They can they can vote themselves if they want to do it or make it. And you can always get replays of the stuff if you can't make everyone live. But go to 123lifeschool.com forward slash challenge. You can sign up for that for free. Awesome. We'll have a blast together starting on the 20th of April. Hey, thanks, man. This, is, this has been a great episode. And uh, next week, we're going to talk, too, about something that speaks to kind of the COVID situation is how this new normal is going to take a new type of leader in the church. Yeah, so we can't keep doing things. Leaders, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Can't keep doing things the way we have been. And, and not just in the church, but in our families. Yeah. Like, we need to be leading in some different ways now. Yeah. What's it look like? We're going to talk about it next week. Thanks for being with us today. For more information on this show, you can visit 123lifeschool.com forward slash podcast.